Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It was the next morning when I got found on my bathroom floor. All I remember about the stroke is Sarah coming to the toilet saying, ring nan nan nan. Uh, when I got into the bathroom, he was actually, um, he was sat on the toilet and he was slooped to one side. Um, I tried speaking to him, but he, he just couldn't communicate with me whatsoever. He, he was trying to talk, but he, he couldn't get his words out. Um, he couldn't raise his arm. Um, he couldn't stand up properly. I'm glad to be back into educational because it's giving me that bit of life I had before. I'm back playing physical district rugby where I'm a non-contact player for Wakefield Trinity Wildcats. It's, it's going, it's going well. Connor also wants to become a paramedic through all this, and you know, I, I think knowing Connor and the way he is with things, he, he will defy the odds and he will go for that because uh, people don't think he'd be able to manage it with him having the brain injury and, you know, the memory loss and things like that. But, you know, he's, he's adamant that's what he wants to do, so I'll, I'll back him 100% for that. Hello and welcome to Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. In the UK, there are more than 100,000 strokes every year. That's about one every five minutes. And strokes can happen to anyone of any age. Over 400 children a year suffer a stroke. They can also be caused by a number of different factors, including diet and lifestyle, existing medical conditions, or even physical injuries. It's often a sudden and it can be a devastating illness. And while health services are amazing at diagnosis and treatment when you get there, after the stroke and after you've gone home, patients often find that there are not that many resources to help them on their journey to recovery. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this podcast, we hear from Connor Lyons and his aunt Sarah. Connor was only 14 when he suffered a severe stroke that happened as a result of a sporting injury. Life before my stroke was just any old teenager who lives in Hull, um, who has like who plays rugby, uh, had inspirations of going to play on to Super League, um, playing for the local teams. Basically, I was going up the ranks in rugby, and I was about to have trials for Rovers on the following Monday of my injury. I went down in the tackle from getting sandwiched by two bigger lads. I went down. With gut, with pain in my ribs, got brought off because the thought I might just got winded or broke a rib. Connor want want a player that went down easily. Um, you know, normally he'd, he'd just get back up and carry on playing. Um, but at this point, he'd, he'd gone down. He was holding his ribs and he was crying. And Connor don't cry. 
So I said to him, I said, right, let's, let's get you off and, you know, we took him to the side of the pitch and I, I looked at him, checked his ribs and that and, you know, he, he kept saying to me, I want to go back on and, and I'm like, no, you're staying off, you know, we've got 10 minutes left, just, just stay off. So I kept him off, but all that day I was saying to him, look, do you want to go get checked? You know, are you all right? And, he, and he's like, no, I'm fine. Um, you know, there was seemed to be no after effects kind of thing. During that following day, I was back fine, had no complications, was in pain, didn't have no major signs of I was really hurt and just carried on that day like a normal person. He was his normal cheeky self, you know, after the initial sort of like impact and that um, later on in the afternoon he, he was running about and he was being his normal cheeky self and, you know, we sat down that night, we had our normal takeaway on a Saturday night and we sat and watched telly and everything was just as normal as it had been the previous Saturday. It was the next morning when I got found on my bathroom floor. All I remember about the stroke is Sarah coming to the toilet saying, ring 999, getting the ambulance came to me saying that I don't really know what's up with him because he's smiling and laughing. They made me walk to the ambulance to see if I could walk properly. As soon as I got on the ambulance, it was rushed straight to hospital. Then I got put into resource where they said that I've suffered the stroke. I'd uh, got up in the morning and I shouted at Connor to uh, let the dogs out. And he didn't reply at first, so I shouted again. Um, and then I got like, uh, there was like a, all I can describe is like a wailing sound coming from the bathroom. Um, I knew instantly then there was something not quite right with Connor. Uh, when I got into the bathroom, he was actually... Um, he was sat on the toilet and he was slooped to one side. Um, I tried speaking to him, but he, he just couldn't communicate with me whatsoever. He, he was trying to talk, but he, he couldn't get his words out. Um, he couldn't raise his arm. Um, he couldn't stand up properly. Uh, so I immediately phoned for an ambulance. And in my head, I thought, you know, at that time, I, I think he's having a stroke. But then I sort of like dismissed it because I didn't think kids could have strokes. I was one of them that was uneducated about it. Um, so I sort of like dismissed it and all the way to hospital um, I was just sort of like you know he's maybe trapped a nerve or you know he's he's maybe done something to his ribs yesterday um, and then it wasn't until we got to hospital that he was rushed through to resus and I sort of like realised that there was something more going on at that point um, he had a he had an initial scan which didn't show anything um, at the, at that time but um, his blood pressure and everything had um, gone really funny um, and he, he was getting worse so they decided to do um, another scan which was where they injected dye um, in, into Connor's body um, and that's when they found that he had uh, this uh, clot on his brain stem uh, that was basically stopping the blood flow going through to his brain um, at that point they said to me they were going to transfer him to Leeds because they, that was the best centre to deal with it because um, they dealt with uh, children's neurology and, that, and that's where he'd be better looked after um, but this other doctor came down and he, he took one look at Connor and he said, um, you know, we're not going to we're not going to get him to Leeds. He won't make it. We need to get him upstairs and we need to get him up there now, because um, if not, you know, this lad's not going to survive. The blood clot was so severe that Connor was rushed into surgery so doctors could try and remove it as soon as possible. It was about a nine hour surgery to remove part of the blood clot, what caused the stroke. Then I got put in back of another ambulance, blues and tooth all the way straight to Leeds. Then they tried to do another surgery, which was unsuccessful to get rid of all the blood clot. And then I got put into an induced coma for three days at Leeds. Then after that, 
that woke me up and I got moved on to High Independence Unit for about a week. Then I got moved back onto the main ward of kids who suffered like a brain injury for five weeks. It's a blur now, but I realised that I really didn't know what it actually meant. But then as soon as I came out of hospital, I realised what actually happened. That's when I know that my life was never going to be the same. At that point, you just like you're in a you're in you're in a bubble on the outside, and you you're watching everything going on, and you're literally powerless to do anything. You've just got to put your trust in these medical staff that they know what they're doing, and you know that these medical staff are you know are, are looking after your your child, and you know they're, they're going to do the best for him. But it it's just having that loss of control you're, you're no longer longer in control you there's nothing you can do you know to to help to help your kid and you know it's 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 it's, it's heartbreaking you know it really is heartbreaking being in that situation all of a sudden our, our life had been turned upside down we'd Connor had not only had the strokes but we'd been moved to a different city um we'd left family behind my daughter who was 17 at the time um she'd been left at home and you know, and ev- everything was just up in the air. Um, I was when Connor was in intensive care. I was told by the nurses, you know, go get as much rest because he, you know, he's going to need you and things like that. But you know, as, as a parent, you don't want to leave the side in case anything happens. You know, um, we were also told numerous occasions that Connor wasn't going to make it through the night. He wouldn't make the next operation. You know, but he, he just kept fighting, and you know, I think seeing that he had that fight in him it, it made us fight but obviously you know it's a very lonely dark place to be um especially as a single parent as well you know it was just so so dark i mean we had all this support but it still didn't stop you from feeling on your own kind of thing connor then had to start the long road to recovery and despite the work of the surgeons part of the blood clot is still there to this day all i kept doing was doing scans to Every six months to see what the blood clot was doing, what like my brain activity was like. Um, but now they aren't doing that no more because I think it's too dangerous. And also the blood clot has stabilised, it's calcified. So they basically put me on like, physio um, and just regular appointments to see how I'm doing. It was just giving him plenty of love, plenty of encouragement, making sure he was he was okay. Basically, um, obviously we had massive support from the rugby league community because uh, Connor's story went viral. Because uh, obviously this kind of injury is practically unheard of in rugby league, and it's in like it's unheard of in children. You know, and everyone was really really shocked by what had happened. Uh, so we had a lot of support, and um, we had local rugby league players coming in. You know, people that Connor looked up to, they were coming in to visit him. You know, and I was liaising with them and, you know, we were just basically doing everything we could to keep his spirits up and, you know, to basically say to him, like, you, you know, you've come this far, you've come out of intensive care, you've de- already defied the doctors, you know, let, let's just keep it going and, you know, ju- just pushing him that little bit, you know, when, it, when he was getting upset and things like that, you know, just telling things was going to be all right and, you know, it was, it was just being there for him, I think. To recover properly from the stroke, Connor had to drop out of school. I'm not very normal as you can see, um, I've still suffered with a lot of side effects of that initial major stroke. Fatigue, headaches, nausea, feeling dizzy, I get blare vision, I get mini TIAs, which is like a mini stroke. Um, can lose feeling down one side of my body, which feels like I'm going to have another major stroke. I've got anxiety, panic attacks, basically anything that controls and goes through your brain. I basically have got. 
Um, most I feel okay because I've got good set of mates, good support, got an own charity which helps me a bit, and college is going well, so I guess I'm feeling okay. Connor's injury and subsequent stroke were both incredibly serious, and yet he's back in education and doing what he loves, playing rugby. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Sarah reveals how the Stroke Association gave Connor an enormous boost in self-confidence. But when he got on stage, uh, he was on with uh, Russell Howard and Vogue Williams. Uh, when he got on stage, you know, to everyone's surprise, he, he just took the microphone, you know, thanks everybody for the support. And Connor has his advice for those who are currently in recovery from stroke. As soon as you find help out there and they give you a direction, life will be miles easier. Just like when I found a lot of support, life came a lot easier after the injury I suffered. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's hear how Connor and Sarah decided to start the Connor Lions Foundation. First, I said I wanted to start my own charity, which got out there real well. So I got numerous charities saying they wanted to come in and help where I found out about the Stroke Association and Child Brain Injury Trust, which have helped me along the road to recovery so much and I can't find come enough. Basically, we were, we were sat in hospital one day and um, I'd said to Connor, because a lot of money had been raised for Connor, um, you know, to help him get back on his feet and things like that. And we were just talking and I, I said to Connor, you know, what, what are you going to do and kind of thing and, you know, what do you want to do? You know, what's what's the future role for you? And he and he, he just said he, he wanted to help people that had helped him, um, and you know, hence why the charity was born. And he just wanted to raise awareness of brain injuries in sport and obviously the strokes in children because it's like I said, we we was uneducated. We didn't think it happened. Um, we did never have thought it'd have happened to us. We're, we're just, you know, a normal family from Hull. It happened to us, and you know, and it, it just goes to show it can happen to anybody. You know, and he just wanted to really raise awareness and get the word out there that strokes do happen to children and brain injuries do happen in sport, and you know, you need you need to be more aware of it. And that's how it all started, basically. We're just trying to get the word out of that kids can have strokes and that kids also can have brain injuries in any sport because when I came out of hospital there's basically nothing you couldn't really find anything but now since I've got this charity we know so many kids who've actually gone through similar things I've gone through and we've actually helped try and get them back to normal routine I just wanted to show that I, I, I deserved another chance in life because um, obviously I could have died in that hospital, but I just wanted to show that I can, I, just, I did deserve to be survived, so that's why I've started this charity. 
Uh, I had to drop out for a year and get um, homeschooled, which was, I'd say, about an hour a day. Then I got brought back into, it's like a link for people who are more challenging students. I was in there for like three, four hours a day. Then after, that was after a year of home tutor. And then I got, um, then the first time I've ever been into like an open school slash college is when I've um, gone to a fast college. I'm glad to be back into education because it's given me that bit of life I had before. I'm back playing physical discipline league where I'm a non-contact player for Wakefield Trinity Wildcats. It's, it's going, it's going well. I want to be a paramedic because I want to give something back to what people have given to me. Like they've given me another life. That ambulance service who came out to see me first, so I want to just basically do the exact same thing they did for me for other people. The seriousness of Connor's condition took its toll on Sarah, who found help and support from the Stroke Association. Basilar thrombosis, it's very rare, it's, it's hardly ever seen. And, um, you know, they said to me not to Google it, um, you know, while Connor uh, still had this clot on his brain, you know, they, they were still very highly concerned about him. Um, so, you know, it, it was just a case of... I don't know, I kind of sort of like stuck to family and things like that at first. And then obviously when, when we came home, um, it was sort of like we'd, we'd just been left. Um, you know, he's, he's had this, he's had these two major strokes and basically, you know, you're at home now, so you just get on with it. And, you know, you, you just sit there and you don't know who to turn to or where to go. Um, and it wasn't until I found the, the Stroke Association online you know, that it really sort of like give me someone to talk to kind of thing. Connor also found the help provided by the Stroke Association gave him great support. They awarded him the Children and Young People's Courage Award at their annual ceremony in 2016. They basically came, I think it was down one afternoon after, I think it was after actually school in the link, um, giving me like booklets, telling me what my actual injury entails, um, the health that's out there, basically everything I really needed to know about brain injury. Then I started volunteering for him. I think it was down near Hull Uni, which I did. It was a walk through them about, I think it was last year. But I, can't, I haven't been back since because of college because I'm there full time. Then I got nominated for one of their Stroke Association UK awards of child stroke, which I won. And everybody there is. It was so friendly. Um, everybody knew who I was, and it was just really respectful what I've been through. And and I can't really thank the Stroke Association enough for what they've actually done for me. It was amazing, you know. After everything he'd been through, you know, to be recognised for his bravery was just it just gave him so much confidence. It gave him a massive confidence boost. And the Stroke Association came down, and, um, did a bit of filming with Connor. And up to that point, Connor was still very quiet. He he was quite he'd gone quite in on himself, and he he, he wouldn't talk to people. Um, you know, but they, they were so good with him. Uh, they gave him the confidence. And then when it came to the night of the awards, they said to him, "Look, do you want to speak?" And he he said, "No, um, I, I can't do that." 
But when he got on stage, uh, he was on with uh, Russell Howard and Vogue Williams. Uh, when he got on stage, you know, to everyone's surprise, he, he just took the microphone, you know, thanked everybody for the support and everything. And it, it was just, uh, it was just a really, really, uh, it was an amazing moment, you know, because they're giving that confidence to actually get up there, you know, in front of all these celebrities and things like that. And, you know, and, and he'd done it. And it, the, the confidence that award gave him, um, we'll never forget because that was, that was the start of things to come, I think, for Connor. That was a turning point, I think. Um, it, it gave him that that boost to go on and, you know, to do speeches for other organisations and things like that. And the Stroke Association gave him that confidence. I'm hoping Connor keeps up with the awareness. I, th- I think he will, um, because he, he does he does like helping others. Connor also wants to become a paramedic through all this. And, you know, I, I think knowing Connor and the way he is with things, he, he will defy the odds and he will go for that. Because uh, people don't think he'd be able to manage it with him having the brain injury and, you know, the memory loss and things like that. But, you know, he's, he's adamant that's what he wants to do. So I'll, I'll back him 100% for that. And as for myself, um, I've just enrolled in a, um, a uni course um, to hopefully come on to become a stroke nurse um, in the future. Connor and Sarah both found that seeking out support and advice from your friends, family or other agencies was essential to helping get their lives back on track. I would say... Keep close to people you know because it's going to be a rough time. I can't really say it's going to be the easiest time of your life. Um, you're going to need people behind you who are going to give you a boost. And I'd say if as soon as you find help out there and they give you a direction, life will be miles easier. Because like when I found a lot of support, life came a lot easier after the injury I suffered. Don't give up, you know, there is hope out there, you know, no matter how dire things are and how low you get, you know, there, there is always light at the end of that tunnel and there is always somebody there to speak to. There are people that will support and give you that love and guidance when you need it. Just don't give up. Connor's injury and the stroke that followed left after effects he continues to experience to this day. But... He is focusing on helping others overcome similar circumstances. His and Sarah's perseverance and determination to keep fighting is truly inspirational. If you're listening to this podcast and have had a stroke or somebody close to you has and you'd like to learn more, search for The Stroke Association. And for a dedicated NHS webpage, search for NHS Strokes. And for news on the latest Stroke Stories episodes and more, please like, follow, share and subscribe. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.